The Start On Demand. On demand. A 15-year-old charged with first-degree murder in the shooting death of 27-year-old Danielle Cote could get an adult sentence if the Crown has its way. What does real homeschooling look like? We'll speak to a family who's been doing it for years, and as it turns out, they just sent their kids back to traditional school this year in February. Well, we all know what came next. And Loren is putting off quite the big chore. That led to a conversation on what chores do you hate? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling, who's on vacation, and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, and this is the Tuesday, July 7th podcast for The Start. McGarry and McNabb, Mackling is back on Monday. Thank you so much for joining us this morning on The Start, and as you heard with Kayla there, Loren, today looks to be just a spectacular day. Perhaps a day even to, uh, I don't know, stay in a deck? <laughs> no, thanks. And here's why. I'm, I'm sticking to the rules on this one. I was telling uh, Brett last night that it, in our group chat that I have been putting off staying in the deck for, I don't know, about two weeks now, maybe 10 days. And largely because I was told very specific rules. And, I, and I'm not a rule follower, per se. <laughs> Or maybe at all. But on this one, I'm sticking to it. And so, you know, one of the rules was when we went in to get the stain a couple of weeks ago, it was um, on the weekend and, and the woman in the hardware store was like, oh, you can't stain today. It's too hot. And that's when it was about, you know, 38 degrees with humid- humidity. She's like, you don't want to do it at the peak sunshine. You don't want to do it on a really humid day. You got to, you want to be doing it maybe dawn or dusk when it's not as warm. She gave us a whole list of temperatures that are ideal and then rules about when to do it after a rainfall and how many days before a rainfall. And so basically that's left me with no days <laughs> to do the deck. And I'm okay with that because I have this piece of paper, Brett, that very clearly is giving me a, a, some some guidelines that I am sticking to. So until I have a perfect condition, it could be August for all I know when this might come through. Well, hey, procrastinating on chores is something I am well uh, familiar with. And we're going to have the conversation at 645 on the chores we hate. What are the chores you hate? The chores that you put off, the stuff you just don't want to do because you despise them. I mean, they're, they're called chores for a reason. They're typically not fun. Uh, although I I will admit occasionally when once I'm in a chore, I find it I can find it somewhat relaxing. But generally speaking, I too am very much on board with finding whatever excuse I can not to do the chores. Like for example, today I should I've been trying to I've been putting off cleaning just cleaning my apartment. It's got a vacuum, but uh, it's such a nice day. I feel like I gotta go outside and take advantage of that. So text us at two zero four seven eight zero sixty eight sixty eight on the chores that you hate. Um, I guess a lot of people might also say that it has been a chore uh, trying to keep the kids focused on school for the last few months. Yeah, and thank goodness it's officially summer holidays so we can let ourselves off the hook a bit. I'm letting myself off the hook for the deck. And now it's summer, so we don't have to, in theory, stress so much about school, except for sadly, as we all know, it... uh, What's what's the saying? The good times travel way faster, right? And so you know the summer's going to go by quick and you're going to have to start making some decisions for fall. And so we're going to have a chat throughout the morning and day really on CJOB about schooling for fall. And how many of you as parents 
are thinking about what school will look like in September. Report cards went out last week. I know we got ours and it went over, you know, what, where they were successful. And, and you might have learned potentially that uh, things weren't so successful for your kid. And so now you might be stressed about whether or not they'll have to play catch up in the fall. Or maybe you're one of those parents who's thinking, you know what? I like these few months at home with them. They did really well at home. And so we're going to keep them at home. And so we got a couple of different parents coming on this morning, Brett. Uh, a pair that's going to join us after seven, a uh, husband and wife, who are keeping one of their five kids home in September. They've decided that she thrived really well in the homeschool environment. We're going to speak to a mom who, get this, actually has homeschooled her kid for several years, Brett. Then they decided in January that the kids, you know, wanted to give school a traditional school a shot again. So they sent them back to school in February. <laughs> oh, no. Four weeks later, yes, four weeks later, COVID hits. Back home again they go. And so she's got a really interesting perspective. She's going to speak with us at uh, 8.45 about what she went through over the past four months, but also past four years as really officially homeschooling her kids. And so she's got a really unique perspective. I was at the dentist yesterday, and while he was scaling my teeth and scraping my teeth and, uh, you know, the, the annual sort of bloodbath visit to the dentist, uh, he was telling me that the last few months have been kind of a whirlwind, and he says it already feels like the end of summer, mm-hmm. and he, he personally can't wait <laughs> to get his kids back to school. That's a perspective I've heard as well. But I, until we were talking about, the, or until I saw that we were doing this today, I'd never imagined that, that some parents might actually want to keep their kids home or maybe you are, are hesitant to send them back. So you can weigh in on that as well at 204-780-6868. Would love your perspective well, on that. You know, you know how it was. You remember being at the end of summer and just sort of the rules got looser and the days were super fun and you're out with your friends, but like you're kind of feral. Like yeah. you're, you're like a bit wild by the end of summer <laughs> and not in a bad way, like not, you know, going out and doing anything wrong. It's just that you already, you already were, so many parents were already trying to figure out how to keep their kids busy for the past three months with school and different activities and, and also not having the option of seeing their friends until more recently. And so it was really taxing in some respects for many people. And so now it feels like today is already August in terms of the rules I've already been relaxed on and the video game, you know, time and the screen time and the different foods I let them eat at 10 a.m. So, yeah, I don't know what things will look like. I'm worried they'll, I'll just wake up in the middle of the night and they'll be up in August eating like chips and candy at 4 a.m. or something. And I'll be like, well, what are you going to do? It's been a hell of a year. <laughs> just sitting on the kitchen floor with eating chips off the ground. <laughs> I'm just picturing your kids now on the ground like eating the chips like raccoons or something. And then if you try to take them away, they'll just take a swipe at you and well, hiss. Exactly. You, I think people work really hard to stick to the rules and try to do their best by their kids. And I, you know, credit to everybody for doing that. And then summer's the time to let your guard down. But you might have done that maybe a month ago because you were already at your wall, right? So I don't know. I think there's some, there's some families that are out there are like, oh boy, it's just going to be Lord of the Flies, August 15th. Every man for themselves, every child for themselves. Should a teen accused in a Canada shooting spree be treated as adults if convicted? We're asking this morning after a second teen made a court appearance yesterday. He's 15, and Winnipeg police say he worked with a 14-year-old to commit a number of crimes on July 1st. So both of these teens have been already charged with first-degree murder in the death of Danielle Dawn Cote. She was killed walking down Flora Avenue on Canada Day. But police say about an hour earlier, the two boys also shot a 44-year-old man 
who was then found on Belmoral Street near Cumberland after he was struck by a vehicle. He still is in hospital as far as we know. And then the teens are also accused of shooting a 40-year-old at the Forks that same day. So three people shot, one killed in this scenario. And then the 14-year-old is also considered the lone suspect in another alleged shooting on Isabel Street, Brett. He was arrested and charged last week, the 15-year-old, a couple days later. And police do believe both of these suspects are friends, but they don't think they knew any of their victims. So that leaves us to believe that the three separate shootings were random, which is incredibly scary. Now, the 15-year-old made his first court appearance yesterday. The Winnipeg Free Press is reporting that if convicted, the Crown intends to seek an adult sentence for that teen. It's not clear if prosecutors are looking for the same treatment for the 14-year-old. Here's what the difference would be. If convicted under the Youth Criminal Justice Act, the maximum penalty would be 10 years but only six would be behind bars. The rest would be served in the community under conditional supervision. A first-degree murder conviction as an adult leads to an automatic life sentence with no chance of parole for 25 years. So what do we think about this? First of all, there's a couple questions I have, Brett, and we're working to get those answers. You have a 15-year-old and a 14-year-old charge. Again, that report saying that the Crown intends to seek an adult conviction if this 15-year-old is convicted. Not clear if they're going to seek the same for the 14-year-old. So is there a difference, first of all, in people's minds between what a 15-year-old might know and what they should be convicted of and how they should be treated versus a 14-year-old? Is there a line there for people when it comes to 14-year-old still feels like a kid? Adult feels more like a 15-year-old feels more like an adult. So that's one of my questions. Do you have a difference between a 15-year-old and a 14-year-old and then when it comes to these charges, it's this is not like you know they were charged with robbery or theft, which are all still serious crimes. This is a homicide charge. This is a first degree murder charge, and so that's a pretty that that's as that's as bad as you can get under the criminal code. And so should they be treated both of them as adults if convicted? And I think most of our listeners are going to be inclined to say yes. Yeah, I mean, ten years ago, I would have said to anybody accused of these crimes or anybody convicted of these crimes, lock them up, throw away the key. And we are getting texts along these lines. Uh, one text, for example, says, if it was car theft, youth, but it's murder one. And that's what they wanted. 25-year minimum, mandatory. Uh, these uh, these kids knew full well what the results were. Um, so, yeah, 10 years ago, I would have said lock them up. But I remember having a conversation. Someone started to talk because I was pounding the drum uh, on social media about, you know, get let's get tough on crime. And then someone commented to me about restorative justice. And it was actually I had a really it was a kind of an eye opening conversation. And I started to think about things differently. Now, before you get mad and say enough of your hippie crap, Brett, I'm not saying I don't agree with an adult sentence. Just just hear me out for a sec. I mean, obviously, the crimes that these teens are accused of are awful. A woman is dead. Others are hurt. But the part where I, I think I'm slightly wondering if an adult sentence is the way to go. I mean, no family or friends were in court for this kid. I don't know him. I don't know his background. But uh, that seems telling to me that he's had probably a rough go in life. However, let's say uh, if you take me, for example, let's say in a bout of depression, I get drunk, get in my car drunkenly drive it into a storefront and kill someone, no one's going to shed a tear for me if I say, well, it was depressed. So in that situation, I would have made a choice and I would have to pay for that choice. And this 15-year-old allegedly made this choice to go out 
and shoot people. Yeah, he's a kid, but he's 15. He's not a toddler. So maybe an adult sentence is the right way to go. No parole uh, for a long time. Maybe he rehabilitates. I mean, that's the whole point of prison, isn't it? To rehabilitate criminals to reenter society. Yeah, the questions for me would be how well does that rehabilitation go and what would that look like? And again, we're still in the early days of this. So the charges have just been laid. That was just the first court appearance yesterday. There has to be, you know, a, a trial and then conviction and all the rest. But that we're having this conversation because as soon as this first team was charged, the 14 year old last week, we had people writing in about throwing the book at, at, at him. And now you have the second 15 year old where this adult conversation is coming into play. For for me, it's the totality of the events. And so I need more details about what happened that day and what led up to it and what was going on. But but we're talking about not just one isolated incident, but at least three. And in the case of the 14-year-old, four alleged shootings. And so there's there's a whole big series of events that went on that they that just kept going and going and going. So it's not like it's not like there was one incident and you thought the, the, a teenager would have been, oh my God, what have I done? No, they, it continued, according to police, into several shootings, Brett. And so that, for me, is it would be part of what I would weigh. But as you mentioned, there there is a point of restorative justice, and there there are backgrounds that are taken into consideration, and how they grew up, and and maybe and where they were, and 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 what they had as a home life. I mean, all those things do have to be considered. And so, oh, my short answer is I don't know what I would <laughs> I would do here if I had to make that call. If I was asked to make that call, that's a tough. That's a really really tough one. I don't know if we have all the details that we would need to know to make that decision yet. And I and, and as much as it our listeners are inclined to say no like this is this is just an excuse go for it It, that they knew what they were doing that they have to get life in prison i don't think it's cut and dry as that McGarry and McNabb, Mackling is back next week. Right now, we want to have a conversation about the chores we hate. And Loren McNabb, what triggered this conversation? Well, I was sharing with you that I have a deck that needs to be stained, and I have purchased the stain, and I've purchased the rollers and the brushes. And then that's about as far as that has gone, because the staining came with some good advice from folks at the hardware store about when to do it. And obviously, it's been really hot over the past two weeks, so that's not ideal. You also don't want to do it when it has just rained or when rain's in the forecast. So there's all these different rules that I've allowed to dictate this process, which has also allowed me, Brett, to delay it for a good two weeks now. It'll get done. I know it's going to happen. And I know once I start it, I'm going to actually, you know, you mentioned about some things can be sort of feel feel good once you're in them. It can kind of almost have that calming therapeutic thing going on. I don't mind staying once I'm in it. I just don't want to begin it. And so I, I will say this is one of the things I hate because every single year, here I am. Every year? Well, it used to be every two years, but I don't know where I, where I went wrong a few years ago. Now the deck by <laughs> September looks like I didn't do anything proper to it. So I feel like it's because I've made some mistakes over the, the years that I'm really sticking to the rules right now in hopes that maybe I can stretch this out to every two years of staining, not every single spring. Well, maybe if you wait until September to do it, uh, <laughs> you can stretch that out. So let's go around the horn here. The chores that we hate. And Jeff Braun, let's start with you. What do you hate doing? It's a toss-up between pulling weeds and scrubbing the tub. And I will say that I do, I'm more likely to pull the weeds only because people walking by can notice and it's easy to hide a dirty tub because you can just pull a shower curtain across and <laughs> pray to God nobody opens it when 
they're in there. So those, those are the two that I just despise. In general, I like doing chores. I like having a busy Saturday of having to bop around and do a bunch of stuff. I also like house cleaning for whatever reason, but except for those two things, I just can't stand them. Jeff Forte. I'm right there with him. Uh, the bathtub, it's the worst thing. It's it, it, like There'll be times where I clean it like spotless, and then like a week later I come back and I look at it, and I'm just like, i got to do this all over again? It's just, to me, such a pain. It's because you actually really get down and scrub and really get into it. So, yeah, the bathtub for me is the worst one. Yeah, you, and that's a good point, Forte. I think part of the, the reason why we hate doing this stuff sometimes is it, because it just feels like a losing battle, right? Like, you know you know that even if you, when you dust, you know that the next day you're going to see dust on that spot again. But Kelly, I, I don't mind dusting so much because, like, you know, you just wipe something down. It's not like the bathtub where you have to get down and scrub it, like really get yeah. get into it. So, <laughs> Kelly, what about you? Well, listening to McNabb, I didn't know rules were spelled E-X-C-U-S-E-S. But, uh... <laughs> hey, I admit, there are excuses, but there's this piece of paper that uh, my husband came home with from the hardware store. And I'm, yeah, I like to, yeah. daily I've looked at it and been like, not today, I guess, can't do it today, according to this green sheet. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the same rationale I use for cleaning washrooms. I absolutely, I don't mind chores. I'm actually... Uh, like vacuuming, I don't mind weeding the garden at all. I find it very calming and relaxing. But uh, cleaning bathrooms is just something that I put off and put off and put off. And I'll, I'll even, you know, sit on my because because that's kind of part of my job uh, around the house. And uh, I'll you know say to my wife, "Oh man, do you have time to do that?" <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've, I have to go out and mow the lawn, or I got to go wash the car, or you know, I'll I'll do anything before I have to do that. Uh, and but I I never ever get out of scrubbing the tub because that takes uh, a little extra exertion, and 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 that's something I simply have to do. Now, for me, I think in in general, as a guy, single guy who lives alone. Pretty much all chores are things I hate, and it's probably because, like, you know, I've now lived with uh, two women, and when I live with women, I feel this new, almost neurotic need to tackle the chores as soon as possible, i.e. if I made a mess or contributed to a mess, I need to clean it now. Like, if there's dishes, they got to be done now. And I was super anal about it both times I lived with women, and as mentioned, single and living alone now, so clearly I probably need to <laughs> chill out on that a little bit. But the main chore I hate, and one of our listeners texted this same chore is dog poop cleaning up dog poop and specifically like i hate the chore in general but specifically i really hate it when the snow starts melting 10 years ago bought a house soon after moving in girlfriend wanted to get a dog we got one i told her point blank i do not want to pick up that dog's poop that was my job growing up with our family dog muffy and i despised it i said you want a dog okay but that poop is your responsibility yep yep no problem i promise well it took all of two days for it to become my chore and the worst is in the spring because you try to stay on top of that in the winter but hey sometimes it's just too damn cold to go outside and pick it up so you leave it you kick that can down the road and then the snow starts to melt and you see just how lazy you were over the winter and it becomes a race to try to get to all of it before it hits the ground because if you can scoop it out of the snow that's not that bad but once it hits the ground well Anyone who has a dog knows what I'm talking about. That is an awful, disgusting chore. Forte's got a smile on his face. You know what I'm talking about, don't you, Forte? No, not really. <laughs> no? Did no, your was... parents do clean up? Well, yeah, they, they did. It's their dog. 
<laughs> okay, you got away with one there. Oh, yeah, no, I was, I was actually laughing. Somebody uh, texted in saying, uh, why don't these guys spray their uh, bathtub before they use it? I, I, actually, I spray it with Tylex after I use it. Really? Like yeah. every time? Uh, most times. When I, when I remember. <laughs> oh, wow. And you still have to get down there and scrub? Oh, yeah. Okay. We, <laughs> yeah. Uh, other text. Uh, where's this conversation going? <laughs> uh, listen to this text from Kevin the Garbage Man. The one chore I hate is taking out the garbage. It, it seems my family thinks I'm the only one who can do this chore. I actually, I do hate that too, but I, it's not because it ends up on my shoulders or anything. It's just, it feels like, um, what happens every single time is that nobody wants to do it. And so the bag just becomes jammed in the garbage can because it gets shoved oh. further and further and further down. And then it's a full fight just to get it out and get it to the curb. So I can agree that can be an annoying one because it can be pretty gross. I like Don's text. He says, I hate doing dishes to the point that while living alone, I bought a dishwasher. <laughs> I have a dishwasher, but I almost never use it because right. it takes too long to fill up. Me too. So then I run out of dishes, so it's just easier to, to wash them as I go. Uh, Marcel does not like dusting, and Jackie pointed out a good one here. The worst chore is cleaning my oven. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh I forgot about that. Yeah. yeah Did you use the self-cleaner? I guess you could, but isn't yeah. that... Yeah, but you... Yeah, you still have to clean the racks, though, and, and that's a disgusting, Deal. awful job. <laughs> Laurentian. You can just leave the door closed and you don't have to clean that's it right. at all. <laughs> who's, who's opening your oven and being like, oh. McGarry and McNabb, Mackling back next week, talking this morning about a lot of stuff, including your least favorite chores. And we're getting a lot of great text messages at 204-780-6868. A conversation triggered by the fact that Loren has been meaning to stay in the deck for a couple of weeks now, but keeps having to put it off because it's too hot or it's raining or maybe it's going to rain. And it's uh, these are rules that she's been more than happy to oblige <laughs> by. And hey, who can uh, we can all relate to putting stuff off because procrastination is fun. But uh, the last text that we just got in here, Loren, is great. Yeah, I love it. It goes like this. Chores. My wife has been after me to dig up the flower beds. Says, well, what are you going to do today? I reply, nothing. She <laughs> says, you did nothing yesterday. I say, I know, I wasn't finished. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Wasn't finished doing nothing. I'm not done doing the nothing I was doing yesterday. I must continue with the nothing today, Brett. <laughs> and Wayne says, I asked the wife if she needs help. If she says yes, I say, I'll get someone to help her then. <laughs> <laughs> like he calls someone else in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. That's so great. A lot. Uh, thanks to our listeners for reminding us of some of the chores we forgot about. We talked about uh, oven cleaning. And here's a tip I never knew about because we said, I had said, well, just use the self-cleaner in the oven. And Kelly says, well, that doesn't really do much for the racks. This listener says, cleaning the oven racks is easy. Put the racks in a garbage bag bag spray heavily with oven cleaner close up the bag for two to three hours rinse in bathtub easy and you get super clean racks that is great and like anytime we talk about stuff like what i asked the other day where can i get my golf bag zippers fixed and we got like 15 text messages just bam 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 and you mentioned staining the deck and we got all kinds of tips on staining the deck as well don for example was saying he learned the hard way uh not when not to stain the deck he says uh, stained when the temperature was going to drop uh, below 10 
within 48 hours, wasted five gallons of stain, and we both learned a few new words. So we appreciate the tips and uh, keep them coming at 204-780-6868. We'll share those throughout the day. McGarry and McNabb, Mackling is back next week. The lines are open at 204-780-6868. Your chance to win a pizza from Santa Lucia. Call us now at 204-780-6868. As we wait for those phone lines to fill up, Loren McNabb, we started a conversation this morning on homeschooling. We're going to continue that conversation in our next segment. Yeah, after seven, we heard from a couple who are keeping one of their five kids home this fall because they really feel she thrived in this home environment. And so they're going to attempt homeschooling for real, as I like to call it. And so we had a great chat with them after seven. Uh, at 845, we're going to speak to a mom who has been homeschooling her kids for years through the official homeschooling program and the curriculum provided by the province. And so she's got a unique perspective about how it really looks when you're doing it from home for good. And we'll chat with her in about, uh, I don't know, eight minutes time. Here's the question at 204-780-6868 for your chance to win a large two-topping pizza from Santa Lucia. The average cost of one of these in 2020 is $29,450. What is it? This could, I feel like this could be an easy one. Mike, do you know? Uh, just off the top of my head, would it be a wedding? Yep. <laughs> uh, bingo. <laughs> yep, it's a wedding. The average cost of a wedding in Canada is roughly $29,450. So, yeah, are you married, Mike? I am, 32 years. What did, do you remember what it cost? Uh, Mom and dad paid. I have no idea. Oh, good. Right on. That's the way to go, man. (laughs) It was nice. Okay, Mike, I'm going to put you on hold. Stand by. Jeff Forte is going to get your details. Santa Lucia pizza up for grabs. Yeah, $29,000 for a wedding. I I can't remember what mine would have been. I think maybe we were trying to keep it under 15, but I don't know if it would have happened. I didn't make it uh, to the wedding social, so uh, thank God for that. But... Do you remember what yours cost, Loren? Yeah, well, we did a destination wedding, um, so people had to pay to come, and uh, it, that made it really affordable. We did that for a lot of reasons. I was living in Israel at the time, and my husband was back here, and we were so we met in a different country and got married, and life started then. But I, I'm trying to remember the exact amount, but I want to say it was no had to been maybe five or six thousand dollars just with the dress and the cost of the trip, and that's about it. So uh, it was super affordable that way. And then people who came, came, and we had a great time. But I'm, I'm looking at this study in terms of the average cost being $29,000. That is based on hosting 154 people. So the first tip is cut that list. And then uh, you might be able to lower those costs. That's easier said than done. And that was part of the problem too. You know, when we started looking at, at getting married uh, here at home or maybe doing it at the farm, the location also means you may have more or less people, right? And so at, at one point, depending on who you let have a say, like if mom and dad on both sides and grandparents and everyone get to invite guests, then you, you end up with sometimes hundreds of people. And that gets crazy pricey. So, wow, yeah, $29,000, I guess I'm not surprised, but that's a good chunk of change. And we can continue to go through this list in a moment here, but I just want to take you behind the curtains to tell you how awesome Loren McNabb is. Because the way I, the way that I find the trivia questions, I just, I find, I, I have 
I, I get I steal them from <laughs> from other radio stations uh, websites from the United States. So the question was the average cost of one of these is 2020 and 2020 is thirty thousand four hundred and thirty three dollars. What is it? Well, I just Googled the cost of one in Canada and then I found this article. Uh, how much does the average wedding cost in Canada dated May 29th, 2020? And I believe Loren has found that exact same article. It is actually it yeah. is. It, that's fascinating. It's funny because as soon as you said that number, part of me thought that was actually a lower number than one I've, ones I've heard in the past, Brett. And so I was, I was, I was fascinated because it's eight, twenty nine thousand dollars is still a massive amount of money. But I had, you know, you've heard couples over the years talk about thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars. And so, yeah, I'm going through the list and ways to cut costs. One of them was that guest list. The other one is the controversial question of the open bar. Ah, the open bar. Yeah, that's always that's always a hot button. Uh, go easy on the booze. I I think if you're going to ha- have a wedding, it sh- I lean towards it should be an open mm-hmm. bar. Uh, but a lot of times people will do cash bar with some of the money going towards like a charity or something. I think that's a that's becoming a trend, is it not? Yes, absolutely. That's that's part of it too. And then there's just different ways people make money over the years. Um, I just want to be clear. I had someone ask me if my dress was made by Versace. I'm saying that our trip to Cuba <laughs> for two people plus the dress, plus the dinner that we had to pay for add-ons, plus the car rentals totaled in and around five or $6,000. So stand down in your anger. I'm not wearing the Versace dress, okay? I said the total total all in with dress suit shoes and a trip for two i thought What's dresses can get can be oh, pretty yeah, like more than that absolutely they can they absolutely can and if you ever find yourself stuck on a hot summer day watching say yes to the dress <laughs> then you find out that people spend an insane amount of money on the dress uh, 10 15 20 thousand dollars and there's always a, a parent standing in the corner wringing their hands wanting to do the best for their kid but then thinking really one day, 10K? I don't think so. And just on two of the points, the one, one lower your guest count. I remember when uh, I was in the planning stages and we were trying to figure out our guest list and we figured, ah, oh, this would be no problem. We'll keep it under 100. And then you start, the, one of the things that you forget about is when you think of person A, oh, forgot their significant other. And then my mom started saying, okay, well, I want this person to come. I want this person to come. I want this person to come. And I'd say, well, hang on a second. Like... The, they're going to take up spots of people that I want to come. Not that I don't want extended family members to be there, but at what at, at some point you got to say, no, uh, I'm going to draw the line here. And then this other one, choose a less popular wedding season because I think it's probably safe to say like 90% of the weddings uh, that I've been to are in the summer. But one of the best weddings I ever went to or the nicest ones was in the winter. It was in December and it was held at, uh, well, the, wed- the wedding itself is just at a church in Charleswood, but the the reception was at Bridges Golf Course in Starbuck, and it was spectacular. It was awesome. There was a fireworks show afterwards. It was neat standing in the snow watching the fireworks. So there's another way you can save some cash, too, is to maybe not do it in the middle of summer. I was going to get married in October uh, so uh, because I like the fall. Yes. Yeah. That, that's when we were married, although it wasn't fall in Cuba. <laughs> But it was probably just hot, hot, hot. It was just beautiful. Yeah, no, it's a great month. You know what? Do what uh, do what works for you. This is an interesting chat. We should do more on this uh, in the days ahead because summer weddings have changed dramatically for COVID. I'm curious what those are looking like for people. That's probably at least cut costs, but it's also changed the way you're celebrating your day. So I'd, I'd love to do more about this. <laughs> 
McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is back next week. Say whatever you want. When it comes to school, I never liked it, Loren. <laughs> you can tell you can tell me <laughs> that I should like it, but you can say whatever you want about school. And uh, I just, I hated it. I still, to this day, hate waking up between 7 and 8 a.m. because it feels like I'm getting up to go to school. <laughs> How would you have done in a homeschool environment, do you think? Oh, boy. I think I would have done even worse uh, because that I my dad always had to wake me up. Uh, like he'd, he'd bang on the door like 10 times, bracket up, bracket up, bracket up. But if I know I don't have a bus to run to catch, <laughs> then I would just have to, I'd just try to sleep a little bit longer. Well, you could catch the wrath of your dad. So that's what you would have caught maybe if you didn't get out of bed, Brett, for the homeschool. But definitely it's not for everyone. But as we look towards September, we want to talk about the different options when it comes to returning to school because we know there's going to be parents who are worried about their kids' health, potentially, depending on how COVID is looking. Some might be worried their kids fell behind while they were learning at home. Some got ahead while learning at home. And then there's those who've decided to keep their kids at home for good. We talked to a couple at 707 who are choosing to keep one of their daughters home uh, in the fall because they thought the home environment worked well for them or for her. And Stacey Lassenig has actually been teaching her two kids at home for several years now. So one of her kids is eight, Brett, the other is 10. And get this, this year after returning from a stint abroad, the kids actually decided they wanted to give traditional school a shot. So they went back to school in February and a month later, COVID hit. So they were back home homeschooling again. So it's been an interesting whirlwind over the past year for Stacy and her children. And she joins us now. Good morning, Stacy. Good morning. Let's go back a few years. Why did you decide to homeschool in the first place uh, for your oldest when that decision was made? Yeah, um, my son was going to kindergarten and we made him go through the whole year. But about Christmas, he was all done. And he came home from his field trip one day and he sat in my lap crying for an hour before he could be consoled. And he looked at me and he said, can I please just do my schoolwork at home? Following that, I did a ton of research and talked to a lot of homeschooling families. And then we decided that we would try to homeschool and see how it went. And now it's four years later. So this year they decided that they would go back. Uh, but only yeah, got they them. were ready. So what led them to, to be ready to go back? Um, we just got back from Spain in January. We were there for four months and then Austria before that for two months. Just to show the kids a little bit of something outside of Manitoba. Um, and their dad is Austrian, so we went to see his culture. And then we got back and they had missed kids because there's not a lot of free children running around if you're the only one homeschooling. So... We got back and they saw these kids walking by and they finally decided they were ready because they wanted more of the social aspect of it. And not that we weren't seeing people with kids, they just craved more. Yeah, that's one of the things you hear. There's a different, some people are fine with it in terms of their social aspects and others are looking to see some of their their friends in school, Stacey. And so there's a mix of responses for people when they homeschool. Mm-hmm. When they got sent back home during the pandemic, uh, what went through your head as you worked through that process? Because you had done a few years of the traditional homeschooling, which means you sign up with the province, you get curriculum sent to you, but you're really the teacher. And now during this pandemic, you were liaising with a teacher. Explain to me a bit of the differences in those experiences. 
Oh, yeah. Um, so I actually chose my own curriculum. Manitoba didn't send it to me, but I compared it to their curriculum to make sure we wouldn't be falling behind or learning something outside of what they were learning um, or not keeping up. So that was what we had been doing. Then the teachers were sending home their paperwork or online versions, but those those items, those assignments weren't designed for parents to teach. So the curriculum that I was using was so well laid out for me to be the teacher and so well explained and so easy to teach that switching to the paperwork the teachers were sending was incredibly difficult and made everyone very frustrated. So after about a week and a half of trying to cope with that, we decided to just switch back to the homeschool material, re-register with the homeschool board and unenroll our children in school because it was too crazy. And homeschooling is way easier if you're using material that's designed for it. So when it comes to teaching stuff, like, you know, the just the mere thought of having to go back and suddenly help somebody with trigonometry or algebra or chemistry or whatever, insert anything with numbers, um, <laughs> I, it kind of makes my head spin. So it, was it difficult to stay on top of, like, not only being able to present this in a in a clear way, but actually understanding all of this stuff? Well, it's grade four and two for me, so no. Okay. Um, and I love math and I love science and I always have. I've always been a tutor, so teaching comes really naturally to me. Um, but I found that the paperwork the teachers were sending, because it had to be put together so quickly, couldn't be as well thought out as the homeschool curriculum was because people develop that over years and years and they tweak it and they bring out a new edition and a new version and it's always getting better. So I found that what they were presenting wasn't designed for like a parent to teach. So if someone didn't feel comfortable with numbers, even grade four math, like you're presenting long division. And if you do not remember how to do that, trying to help your child learn it is really difficult. So I would say that the paperwork wasn't well laid out. And unfortunately, that's just because there wasn't time for these poor teachers. Yeah, time was of an issue. And, and we know teachers uh, were doing an excellent job of getting everything they possibly could to students. But there is a difference. Absolutely. They know they're, they're passing on what they know how to teach. And then you're exactly. receiving it at home trying to figure out how to then pass that on to your kid. So there oh, yeah. is a difference between the curriculum you'd get as, as, an, as an official homeschooler, Stacey. And now that you've yeah. seen kind of three different sides to this, the traditional, <laughs> the homeschool, and what went on this past four months, what's your decision for the yeah. fall? What are you thinking for the kids? Oh, we are trying to listen to what's coming up. If school resumes at least somewhat normally, they'll go to school because they would like to. If it does not resume somewhat normally, um, they won't. We will just continue to homeschool, which is my son's favorite anyway. He only went to school, he said, because his sister bribed him with, I don't know what, something, some treat. So... (laughs) We will send them if school is going to be somewhat normal. And if it's not, then we'll just homeschool for another year and wait it out, see what happens. Stacy Lasnig joins us live on 680 CJOB. has been teaching her two kids at home for several years. One is eight, the other ten. This year, after returning from a stint abroad, they decided they wanted to go back to school and then pandemic. Stacy, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. This has been great. And you're very welcome. Thank you. A gorgeous day in store. Sunny and 29. I'm just, hang on a second. Let me make that pleasant sound. Can you, oh, it's not, it's not, anytime I want it to squeak on command, it doesn't do it. 
but I'm just, I had to back the microphone up oh, there. It, oh, there it is. Yeah. Isn't that pleasant sounding? Uh, I just had to look out the window. There is not a cloud in the sky, at least as I look to the northeast. Now let me put the microphone back. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that was a good one. All right. Sunny and 29 today. Increasing cloud tonight, then five millimeters of rain possible with a risk of thunderstorms down to 19. Mostly cloudy tomorrow, risk of thunderstorms with a high of 26. Thursday, a few clouds with a high of 25. It is 22 degrees outside 680 CJOB. It's McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is back next week. And uh, I got a text message here at 204-780-6868. It's listed as Cameron D. And someone saying, Brett, in response to whether or not I would do okay with, would have done okay with homeschooling. And this person says, don't think you would have handled homeschooling, nor would the rest of your classmates like Cam and Kev and associates. And I thought, oh my God, is that my old classmate Cameron DeLay? Uh, but apparently it's Cam's mom. And Cam <laughs> says, yeah, it's Cam's mom who also taught you when uh, teachers were exhausted of trying to teach your crazy class. And there was... And I don't remember, I think I actually remember this, and I'm, forgive me, Cam's mom, but I believe it was grade 11, and uh, God bless her, Madame Grimard uh, was was given the ridiculous task of teaching our math class. I don't know who put this class together, but they put, I think we had, there were 22 or 23 people in the class, and 20 of them were boys, Oh, no. It was a disaster. It was an unmitigated disaster. And just a room full of hormones. Well, it was just, and we, like, it was just impossible to control us. And we, like, my grade was kind of rowdy. Like, we were the grade who always won, like, the tug of war, for example, when we had the, the full school uh, field day kind of thing. And, uh, and I always felt so bad for her. I was, like, the, like one of the nerds in class. So I, tr- but even I got caught up in it. I mean, it's hard not to get caught up in it, right? That whole kind of mob mentality. Mentality. You get swept up in the fun. Uh, although I do remember one funny story, and we'll we'll get back on track here. But I'm just uh, spitballing here. There was one moment where somebody started passing notes around, where they were just saying like really obscene things about uh, various students. It was it was all in good fun, and eventually Madame Grimard realizes what's up and she goes up to my buddy Kevin and says all right hand it over so he he looks at her he looks down at the note looks at her again looks at the note crumples it up and he ate it (laughs) can't let her see it eh? (laughs) it was that was his choice it was either that or (laughs) get in a lot of trouble and her reaction was actually pretty funny she just smiled and laughed and turned around because what do you do at that point you're not going to confiscate the note after it's been in his mouth give him the heimlich make him make him give it up i think it was just the brazen act of eating it just made her go you know what you win you win this one (laughs) well played young man McGarry and McNabb, Mackling back next week. Loren, I want to bounce this text message off of you. The Arthur sent us at 204-780-6868 because we were having a conversation last half hour about weddings because the trivia question was the average cost of this in 2020 is $29,450. What is it? And Mike, right out of the gate, just storming out of the gate, says wedding. And yeah, that's the answer. It's a wedding. And uh, Arthur says... This is kind of morbid, but uh, hang on. Wonder if there's such a thing as marriage insurance. 
a percentage of the wedding cost paid out as a function of the length of time the eventually failed marriage lasted. If nothing else, it would help offset legal divorce costs. Where's the nearest financial patent office? Marriage insurance. Could you imagine... Like sitting down with your soon-to-be spouse and being like, "What are we? What are we pegging here? Seven years? Nine? You good for a niner? Nine, ten years with me? Like, what are we talking about? Is that basically how he says it would thinks it would work?" I guess so. Yeah. I mean, and, and my re- reply was, "Wow, that is that's an, an interesting idea, but kind of morbid." But then I thought, well, a prenup is also kind of morbid. That's a, kind of in the same vicinity as that. So I don't know. I just, I don't know that that would be a conversation that I would be comfortable having. If, if it were a thing, if marriage insurance was an actual thing, I don't know that I'd be comfortable broaching that topic. I feel like even asking that question could trigger the demise of the relationship, right? Well, you hear that frequently with the prenup that you mentioned, the prenup that, that, that causes people to second guess because you're kind of going into it saying, just in case this doesn't work out, you can't have my money, or in my case, my box of stuff, which would be part of my prenuptial because there wasn't a lot of money going in. So yeah, I could see that kind of setting the marriage on a different tone, but I don't know. Maybe you just can be a pragmatic person and not look at it so cynically. Interesting, Arthur. Interesting concept. Yeah, because you know, for some people, they might they might just be that sort of uh, I don't want to use the word free spirited, but they're maybe of the mind that hey, I love this person now, and I'm going to marry them. Uh, it's entirely possible that it's going to end, and if it does end, well, oh well. So marriage insurance isn't necessarily a bad idea. Again, not I know it's not a, a thing, but uh, there could be a potential racket there. And then on the the subject of. The cost of weddings, listen to this from Don. He says, our wedding nine years ago was $5,000, everything included. Rings, reception, service, booze with an open bar, what? clothes, everything. How many How many guests? years ago? Nine. A niner, as you said. A niner. That must have been him and his wife and like their pet or something. That's yeah. Like- Be curious to know how many guests, Don. Um and yeah, I, I think if I were to get married, like to actually go through that whole process again, I wouldn't want it to be much simpler because we were looking at, you know, we had a expensive wedding photographer and we were, in, like, I think our wedding photographer was going to cost $2,800 yeah. and that was middle of the road. Like that was not even the, in, in the top tier. I mean, the, the, this person was very good. They're, they did excellent work, but that was just middle of the road. I think I would probably just try to minimize all the costs. I'd want to keep it simple, pick a low-key location, um, and just, you know, rather than dump all this money into a wedding, try, try to make it as, as minimal but still fun and then have that extra money to actually, you know, do stuff in your wedding, in your marriage. Yeah, it all depends on what you want. For some people, they really want to make a big celebration out of it. And so therefore, it's going to cost more. For others, the money might go into, say, the honeymoon or to their home or to something else or, or to nothing because that they can only afford so much. So I, I get it. I get that everyone's scenario is going to look differently. But um, I think marriage, divorce, or marriage insurance is not on the table anytime soon. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. 
And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on CJOB. Talk soon.